Richard yeah. Justice of MLB.com joins us. Richard, how are you, my friend? I'm doing good. How are you guys? Good. How was San Diego? San Diego was uh, beautiful. Beautiful as always. Now, did you be honest? Did you really get out of the hotel at all? Yeah, I went. I went, to, I went running around the harbor every morning. Went out to dinner and outdoor places at night. Yeah, I, I, I got out. You know, a lot of a lot of lobby time. But that hotel is sort of in. It has a lots of areas outside. So, yeah, I mean, it's just it's a mental thing. Like a, one of my friends said, you know, he was from New York, and he said, having been able to have a dinner outside in December. It's just a pretty good mental thing. Do you by any chance remember when you were covering the Orioles, one of the first the first winter baseball meetings I ever went to were in San Diego at some small hotel, but I remember Yeah, town and country. I uh, remember Hudley. Yeah, that was before that was before the the boom down around the harbor now. Right, but it was also I remember we were outside huddling at the pool and it started to snow outside there in 1985. <laughs> You remember that? No, I don't. I don't remember snow in San Diego. <laughs> All right, it was very brief. All right, well let me snowing. let me ask you this right off the bat: uh, the Nationals they wind up losing Rendon, but they also signed Strasburg, and ironically, what they lost Rendon to uh, with the Angels is the exact same contract: the uh, you know seven two forty five and thirty five million a year. What's your thoughts on it? I, I said, and I said this to Mel Anthony earlier today, if it had to be one or the other, I'm going to go starting pitching every single time. When did it have to be one or the other? Well, then that's my other point that I made to Stan was I still thought they could have signed both guys. Right. But I, if, I, I agree. I but, mean, I, I don't know. I mean, the idea – Anthony Rendon should should be paying, playing for the Washington Nationals next yeah, season, I totally and he's agree. not. But they made a choice that they they decided they weren't going to pay both guys. They have a hundred million invested in their rotation, their power pitching, and if you're going to go turn around and give Josh Donaldson twenty five million dollars, I don't know how you gain anything. I understand it's a shorter term contract, but when you win a World Series, what does that do for your franchise in terms of value, in terms of revenue, sponsorships? Ticket sales, but they decided they were only going to sign one of the two, and they decided on Steven Strasburg. We're talking with Richard Justice of MLB.com. Richard, uh, what does Garrett Cole do for the New York Yankees? He makes them the favorite to win the World Series. He's the best pitcher in baseball. He's, uh, I think, the one thing that um, he's a very uh, Garrett Cole's very meticulous and. I think he understood what pitching for the Houston Astros did for his career, and he wanted to make sure wherever he went was a was a, a front office that had all the tools to allow him to be successful. And the Yankees have the largest analytics department in baseball. I think hiring Matt Blake as the pitching coach, he's one of he's a new age guy, kind of like Brent Strom in Houston, who's seventy years old, but he's <laughs> he's on the he started this revolution in a lot of pitching north and south and instead of east and west and relying on the you know just a, a different way of pitch sequencing so i think he was convinced and they did a great recruiting job it's not unlike when they you know mike messina didn't want to pitch for the yankees and by the time they were done with him he was convinced this is absolutely where i want to pitch and i think they did that and you know i think garrett cole went into it wanting thinking he was going to sign with the angels and i think at the end of the day just the, the idea of being a New York Yankee and there were, 
you know, the the money was such that he he was going to be able to dictate the money. You know, mm-hmm. people say, well, he wouldn't have gotten the eighth year, the ninth year, whatever. If he had gone to the Angels and said, this is what it's going to take to sign me, I can't imagine they would have walked away. I can't imagine the Dodgers would have walked away or the Padres. But um, so he, I think he makes them the best team in baseball. Along with that comes the expectations. And like you said, they're favored to win the World Series with this acquisition. But that, to me, too, goes back on the manager to some degree. How much pressure is there on Aaron Boone to get this done this year? They're an organization. They're, in terms of the, they're totally different than the Yankees. And under the under when George Steinbrenner was alive, the the relationship between Hal Steinbrenner and Brian Cashman is such that it's a first rate organization. There's a certain uh, and this started with Joe Torre that there's a certain normalcy in the clubhouse, and you're part of something bigger than you. When Roger Clemens went there, you know when he'd been with the Red Sox, he was the Boston Red Sox. When he was in Toronto, he was the Toronto Blue Jays. He understood he was part of something bigger, and so that I think it's we're all in this together. They're a very they're not going to panic. Aaron Boone has proved to me has proved his spurs, earned earned his spurs, proved his spurs, whatever that is. No, I you know there's pressure every year, but when you're in the New York Yankees, there's going to be pressure. And I mean, if he could survive a year last year when he had every player injured. Uh, and, and still win 100 games and get them to win, what, two two wins of the World Series. Right. Uh, he doesn't have anything le- else left to prove. If, they, if, if you know, just what you write down, what you expect of guys is what they do, they're going to they're gonna win the American League East again, and they're going to be playing in October. Got a question for you about Scott Boris. We saw a, a particularly unpopular ownership uh, person, uh, Marvin Miller, uh, posthumously gets into the Hall of Fame. In your mind, is Scott Boris a baseball Hall of Famer for what he's done? <laughs> Look, all those guys that changed the game <laughs> for good, and Larry Lucchino's idea to Bill Kamen Yards, and Janet Marie Smith, who um, designed it, and Billy Bean, who brought analytics into the game, and Bill James, all those people, had a huge impact in the game. If that's what the Hall of Fame is, it's for people who had a big impact on the game, then Scott deserves to be in. But I think Marvin being in is representative of Scott. I think Scott would tell you that. Yeah. Would Scott turn down a oh, look, Scott Boris is not getting in the Hall of Fame. So I don't think I don't think I don't think we have to worry about Scott yeah. starting yeah. to worry about his induction speech. Let me ask you about uh, something I heard Joel Sherman talking about the other day on XM Radio, uh, and that is the notion, he says other sports do it, that maybe there's a place for a Hall of Fame each year, an inductee that is sort of like a baseball life, so to speak. That somebody like a Dusty Baker, a Jim Cott, maybe they weren't in any one thing a Hall of Famer, but when taken in totality, uh, I think he also mentioned Tommy John uh, as someone who would go in under that. Your thoughts on that? Um, my thoughts is that I wouldn't change anything about Cooperstown. We're leaning. I'm a big Hall guy. We're yep. leaning toward a big Hall guy. We've, we've, uh, you know, like I for the first time in years, I didn't vote for ten guys, and so we've opened the doors, you know, to see Harold Baines get in. Marvin's finally in. Um, 
I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be for changing it, but I do think there's a, I, I do think that all those people deserve to be honored and in different ways in the hall of fame, they do honor all those people yeah. as far as having a plaque in the plaque room. I think that's for Frank Robinson and Hank Aaron and those people. I don't think, I think, I think we're okay. You know, a, apart from that. And, and, and like you say, Pete Rose is not in the Hall of Fame, but, but Pete Rose is, is honored several times in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. A lot of his stuff is on display. Richard, last year we saw Mariano Rivera go into the Hall of Fame unanimously. First player to ever have that happen. Does Derek Jeter get that same type of recognition this year? Well, I hope so, but, you know, Tom Seaver wasn't unanimous. <laughs> yeah. Hank Aaron wasn't unanimous. I want to go to the guy. I know one of the people didn't vote for Seaver, and I'd say, I don't know where you put your your bar on your Hall of Fame criteria. Yeah, but it might it might be a little bit too high because <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't think Tom Seaver was a Hall of Famer, right. well, but Jim Palmer didn't get wasn't unanimous. No. Who was ever more a Hall of Famer than Jim Palmer than right. Brooks Robinson? So yeah. the point is, when you allow, you know. We're doing better. We've cut down on some of the idiots that were voting. Um, but um, there's always a chance one guy doesn't vote for Derek Jeter. Sometimes they vote, don't, vote for, don't vote for a guy just to bring attention on themselves. So, so let me ask you a question. This year, we know Jeter, whether it's 100% or 95%, he's going in. After that, it gets a little bit more curious. Are Walker and Schilling possibilities this year? Um, well, Larry Walker deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. And if you look at his numbers apart from Coors Field, yeah. he's still a Hall of Famer. Agreed. I mean, he was one of the real great, real talented players to ever play the game. Uh, to me, Schilling's not even a debate. I always put Schilling and Mussina in the same conversation, that they both belong in the Hall of Fame. And it's not even a close call. I don't know why. I don't know why he's not in, but he belongs in. Um, Walker's got to take a leap. Hopefully he'll get in someday. And then he get into other guys like Scott Rowland, Gary Sheffield, um, that group of players. Let me and throw, there's, a, there's a case to be made for all of them. Jeff Kent, probably not. but Let me throw um, one name at you that uh, he crept up a little bit last year to 16%. Have you ever taken a close look at Billy Wagner? I've, I have never not voted for Billy Wagner. Okay. And here's the reason. If we're going to put closers – and designated hitters in the Hall of Fame. Yep. If that's if there are those positions now that those are new positions, then the best of those players ought to be in the Hall of Fame. So if you look at Trevor Hoffman's numbers, um, and you look at Lee Smith's numbers, and I believe I voted for Lee Smith too, they belong in the Hall of Fame. I think there's no question Billy Wagner should be in the Hall of Fame, but still there are people that just have trouble voting for closers, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, like I, I know him well. Um, I'm going to tell you a quick story. Um, 2003 All Star Game in Chicago, middle of the clubhouse. John Smoltz, Barry Bonds, Billy Wagner, and Barry says to Billy, uh, "Hey, look, if I hit one of your hundred mile an hour fastballs out of the park, I think I ought to be able to stand there and admire it." And Billy says, "Well, you, you can absolutely do that, but uh, <laughs> you know what's going to happen the next time up." And everybody's like, "Ooh, ooh." And uh, Billy, <laughs> Billy goes, I know, Barry, you would come out to the mound and you would probably kick my butt. But what if I got a lucky punch in 
and you have to live the rest of your life by being punched out by the littlest man in the history of baseball. <laughs> so, so fast forward, like fast forward a month. Right. And uh, Billy's pitching to Barry. And Jeff Bagwell goes, and he's challenging with fastballs at a time when nobody would throw Barry a fastball. Jeff Bagwell goes to the man and goes, slow down, buddy. Take a deep breath. <laughs> and uh, he strikes him out on 300-mile-an-hour fastballs. After the game, Billy's in front of his locker. And, hey, you got a phone call. It's Barry. And Barry called to say, uh, don't get it below 100. I will own your butt. But what he was telling him, what he was telling him was, I appreciate the way you went about it. Yeah. That you challenged me. It was my best against your best. And that's what the game ought to be about. So, yeah, I got a long history with Billy Wagner. I walked in the Phillies clubhouse one time and he screams, there's the man that got me traded. And I looked at him and I said, Actually, I think you're the guy that got you traded. And when he comes back to Houston as a former Astro, the first time his daddy, his kid goes, Daddy, why aren't we playing for the Astros anymore? And Billy looks at him and goes, because Daddy couldn't keep his mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> He's one of the all-time good guys. He gives up a game-winning homer early in his career with the Phillies. He's standing there in front of his locker. And you could tell they weren't, you know, they didn't know how he was going to react in a situation like that. And he goes, no, I'm going to be here, fellas. And if I give up another one tomorrow, I'll be standing here waiting for you again. I'm accountable. Yeah, he and he was, but he didn't. That's a lot more than you want to know about Billy Wagner. No, I no, could write that, a book that, about Billy Wagner. Yeah. That's well, fabulous. I, I'll tell you one stat, uh, two stats. Not, I think it's 903 innings, 1196 strikeouts, and how about wow. oh, how about a whip that's lower than Mariano Rivera's whip? Zero. Yeah, you know he's a little guy. I just I just saw him during the playoffs. They brought him in to throw out our first pitch. Right. He's still not. He, he you know he's a big guy, and <laughs> they used to say, uh, the the little hillbilly's throwing on the backfield when he was <laughs> just gotten into the system. Let, let's go see him, and it, it became like we didn't know who what we had. Well, he was a first round draft pick, so they did know what they had. Yeah. Why do you think they he's... didn't know he was a guy that was going to? You know, what did you say? 900 innings, 1,100 strikeouts? 1196 and 903. That, wow. That's unbelievable. He was good. He was good. Why do you think he's in that range where he was, I think, the year before? He yeah, was because, six uh, or seven. I mean, why, why isn't. I guess you could say Schilling's political statements get him in trouble or something. How did it. Why did it take me seeing this so long to get in? Yeah. No, but I guess Billy's in that people don't vote for closers. Yeah. Relievers, and the only reason they voted for Trevor Hoffman is because he had 600 saves. Lee Smith had to get in by the committee. I just think there's, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's not, to me, it always, always, Edgar Edgar Martinez didn't play defense, therefore he doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame. Look at his offensive numbers. They're overwhelming. Yeah. I got a player that I just studied yesterday because I was on the Mid-Atlantic Sports Report on Masson yesterday. And that's Bobby Abreu, two ninety one average, three ninety five on base percentage, not three. Wait, wait, what? Bobby Abreu. Well, what's his on base percentage? I think it was three ninety five for his career. Good lord! And how about how about four hundred stolen bases? Count count (laughs) how many people are in the Hall of Fame with four hundred stolen bases? There aren't more than eight or nine. I don't think. No, I mean, he's a great player. Remember, uh, there was outrage in Philadelphia when Gillick yep. traded him to the Yankees, right? Yep. And I, I remember a Philly baseball writer going, this guy Gillick 
he doesn't know what he's doing. I go, really? He 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 might know what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he and then they won a World Series two years later. Let me ask you something real quick before we let you go, and that's the national. Oh, I got all day for you. Well, there you go. We got what time does the Army Navy game start? Three three fifteen kickoff Eastern yeah. time. Oh, okay. Eastern, yeah. Uh, speaking of which, that's just still to me the greatest rivalry in all the sports because the game. You throw the football out the, the door because I, the players. I guess you've never been to a Texas-Oklahoma game, have you, son? No, I have not. But I'm going to tell you right now, <laughs> the difference between those athletes and these athletes are these athletes are going to go do something far more important later on. Yeah, but they're making far less money. That's oh, true, oh, but, you know, depends on <laughs> depends on what your priorities are. Let me ask something about the Nationals third base situation right now. Uh would it would it be Donaldson in your mind, or or do they get a little bit more creative outside the box? And I Kyle think, Seager, uh, Stalin Castro, right? And I think do they have the? Uh, I think Stan brings trade, up. Huh? Do they have the prospects to trade for Chris Bryant? No, 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 no. Not well. They do, but not without giving up a a, a good portion of it. Yeah, I don't think they well, have the prospects. I, I think I think Donaldson's going to sign with the Braves, but I. Okay. I don't. I don't know that. I mean, the the Rangers are already saying too expensive for our blood. Yeah, I, I have a strong feeling because of the 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 years involved. I think the Dodgers don't miss out on Donaldson. I think they're going to get Bumgarner and Donaldson. I think they know that they've got to do a little something to get. I mean, it's been thirty one years since they won a World Series. I mean, it's a long right. time. Right, you know, and they wanted to change the. They have wanted to change the mix of their team a little and go against their DNA yeah. in terms of trading prospects, which they've just refused to do in recent years, although they have made trade deadline deals. Yeah. Um, so it, it, while they say they want to change the mix of players, and they've talked about Lindor and Kluber, um, they, I could see them doing something like that. Yeah. Seager's – here's the deal with Seager. He's due $37 million over the next two years – I think Depoto probably takes five or seven million off of that and takes a prospect. Uh, you know, probably so, right. Yeah, so I think he'd be interesting, Richard. We he's always a, we he's always, a fine young man. Wait, could you see that Kyle Seager playing with uh, Corey Seager? Uh, no, I'm saying that the I think Kyle oh, Seager goes to the Nationals. Yeah, if they don't sign Donaldson, I think he'd be a perfect. He's not player. Anthony Rendon, fellas. No, he's, no, not. he's not. No, he's not. But, and then they have a second base situation to square away too because. Last year, when as Drupal Colt, well, I'm saying when, last year when as Drupal Cabrera came aboard, Brian Dozier lost his second base job, and here's a guy that wound up hitting 20 home runs for them. But aren't they counting the kid to play second base? What's his name? Carter Keboom, Carter Keboom man. Yeah, but he he might wind up at third base if the everything falls through. Oh, 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 oh. You know, like I would like put a value on Donaldson, but then don't get panicked. I mean, you got a rotation; you're going to be in the mix. Yeah. So just you know, you can work. You can, and also with all the non-tenders, if you're doing good on player evaluations, this is what you see the Brewers doing. You know, the Brewers had 25 players on their roster for the wild card game. They've gotten rid of 14 of them. Yeah. yeah that? Absolutely, that's turnover. Somebody there. said. Somebody said, "Man, they took that loss hard." <laughs> RJ. They only have 32 players on their 40-man roster. Wow. But the way they look at it, there's so many non-tenders. There's talent. We, we'll be fine. The Rays do it. The Brewers do it. RJ, many thanks for being on. Wish you, Marty, and the kids a happy holiday season. 
and we'll talk. Well, the heck with the kids. What about just me? How me is you? enough. How about you and Marty? <laughs> I'll tell you, Stan, it was the highlight of my season to see Heisty at the World Series. You yeah, should have yeah, seen that man. Was. He was, was like uh, he was like the the king of eagling working a room. <laughs> That's his, it's hard yeah. to believe he's and, been around. And just this. about as old as the king and, of eagling, too. And, and as soon as you see me, what do you say? Heisty, what do you got for me? Yeah. What do you got for me today, Heisty? That's right. <laughs> Richard, always a pleasure. Give my love to Marty, all right? Thank you, guys. All right, talk soon.